tshubukanyo ya tshedimosetso le dikhangtsa letsatsi magareng ga ura ya borataro le ura ya bosupa thank you so much for making time during this difficult time and thank you so much welcome to Mutsweni FM. No, thank you very much uh, Lucas and uh... Good afternoon to the listeners. Great to have you. I'm sure you will be very pleased to share some tea with us today, uh, given that it has been, you know, a long day, apart from issues of, you know, affecting our nation, also the political side. Maybe let me start to understand your view around the meeting between President Jacob Zuma before we can even talk about some issues that are affecting your province. The meeting between President Zuma and... The former president and Julius Malema. Your take... No, for me, that's a non-event. And uh, I think uh, it's uh, just attracting unnecessary attention. And for me, it's just a non-event. I don't think it will make any impact or any changes on the political landscape of this country. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I've seen you've been a very you know, fierce when it comes to accountability. What do you make of you know, the former president, um, his intention to snap the, the commission? Uh, former presidents in any country, they serve as a reservoir of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And uh, they actually serve as some kind of spiritual leaders because if you want to become a president, you don't stop being regarded as a leader in any society. You can go to any country. Yeah. So that's the reason why people would decide to refer to their former presidents. And in many other countries, they don't even have this thing of calling them former presidents. They continue calling them president because they've got a very critical role to play in strengthening the institution of democracy, in ensuring that they work hard for social cohesion and all of that. And I firmly believe that uh, JZ, with all the manifestation of his recent behavior, is basically failing the test of what South Africans are expecting from someone who occupied the highest office in the country. Let's talk about issues there. Thank you so much once to talk about the, the political side. Let's go back to your province. We understand that, you know, it has been really affected by the current downpours. Let's talk about your visit today in the area of John Taolo Haitiwi. Yes, for the, for the past two weeks, we've been having heavy rains in the province. And uh, it has been extremely difficult. And all areas in the province basically have experienced flooding all our regions, but the worst affected is John Taolokhaitiwe. And today we are here to assess the extent of the damage to both public and private property. People's houses have been demolished by the race. Uh, rail Roads have been eroded and it's quite difficult. There are certain villages, a number of villages who are completely cut off. Uh, so what we are doing today together with the local municipalities and the South African National Defense Force, we went, we made an assessment of the extent of the damage and also we were distributing food parcels in those villages which are completely cut off. 
and and what then happens from here uh, premier we understand that you know those that are living in far far flung rural areas remain trapped although it is not just only about roads and houses those that would want to yeah. go to you know simple things like going to school simple things like going to work it remains you know a cumbersome exercise Yes, that's the reason why what we did, we have to we put up a team uh, that will be working on what would be the best intervention that we should adopt. And, uh, and that team, we are expecting a report from it on Monday. But it's quite clear that uh, we don't have any other option but to declare a disaster in the Northern Cape, in particularly here in JTG. As soon as we've declared a disaster, then we'll have to come up with the necessary resources to ensure that we restore our infrastructure, damaged infrastructure, and ensure that we get people into their normal lives, we integrate them into their normal lives, despite the the heavy downfalls that took place. Yeah, yeah. And and your government, I'm sure, you know, cash strapped as is, um, everyone now is living in, you know, from, you know, hands to mouth, I mean, from mouth and, and hands to mouth. Let's yeah. understand to, from your side, how are you going to assist them? Financially, we know that, you know, government is almost broke, yeah. um, technically insolvent. I'm sure this this really poses a really, really big stress for you and, and, and your cabinet. Yes, this uh, heavy risk came at the wrong, place, at the wrong time because... Uh, because of the impact of COVID, we had to redirect 2 billion rands from our provincial budget, and we had to reprioritize 500 million rands to the Department of Health. And uh, I think you are using a right word when you say provincial government is catch threat, but as soon as you declare the province as a disaster, obviously National will have to come in and assist us. Uh, even now, we were, we've got a team that is busy looking at the provincial budget and look at areas where we can reprioritize and try to ensure that we mobilize reasonably adequate resources that will enable us to respond to these issues. Mm-hmm. There are bridges that have been wiped out. Whether we are catch-trapped or not, we need to get those bridges fixed. Yeah. In order for communities to have access to the city center, children must go to schools and all of them. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so we'll have to find a way of responding to this within a month or two, effectively respond to this, restore public infrastructure, uh-huh. and ensure that communities continue with their lives. Mm. Apart from John, uh, John Taulokhaiti, what other areas are also affected? I can imagine if you were to... It's like, yeah. uh, like, uh, like uh, the Orange River... It's overflowing, and they had to close the road in Caymus, which is around your areas of Uppington. And uh, you go to Pixlika, where there are areas which are hard hit, and we are busy trying to take stock of the impact of the heavy rain. Yeah. And uh, by next week, uh, we are going to present our plan uh-huh. on how are we going to mitigate this impact on the people of the Northern Cape. Have we made an assessment, Mr. Premier, on how this will then affect the, you know, provincial economy, given the strategic, uh, you know, position of uh, Northern Cape as a town that, I mean, as a, as a province that connects not only northwards, but Gauteng to Cape Town, yeah. Deben. How will this, you know, affect the local economy? It will obviously check the local economy now is reeling from the devastation of, of, of COVID. And there come rain. We, we've been praying for rain. 
Uh, in the province, we had the worst drought in 100 years. Worst drought. So we've been praying the rain. We got the downpours, but it was excessive. It caused massive damage to both public and private infrastructure. But our responsibility, that's what I was telling the MSCs, we had the entire cabinet here this morning. That's what I was telling them. We don't make applications for disasters. But when disasters are there, we are supposed to respond and respond effectively to that. So we have to look around what is it that we have as the provincial government where possible with what the national government is going to assist us and respond to this matter. We can't really sit back and complain and say there's COVID and now there's, uh, there's, uh, there's this uh, flooding that is taking place in the province. Yeah. People yeah. want us to respond to this matter. I've been meeting with all those villages, villages and particularly the ones which are cut off. People's houses are swimming. And there can't be any excuse from our side. Their expectation is that their government must respond to this. Yeah, yeah. We have to respond to it, even if it would mean after we've responded to it, we are indebted with the provincial government, but we need to respond to it. You talk about COVID. Um, Western Cape has been very, I mean, Northern Cape has been very fortunate when you look at the, you know, the figures in terms of fatalities, in terms of new infections. Now that you've yeah. got this disaster here, I can imagine how it will then impact you. We are expecting the rollout of uh, vaccine when you have this problem yes. of roads that are not, uh, you know, transversible. Yes. Yes, and the rollout of the vaccine starts now on the 10th of February. That's when you are starting with the rollout and We've not been really fortunate. It's hard work. We've reprioritized more than 500 billion rand to strengthen the capacity, the response capacity of our public health institutions. We prepared more than 3,300 COVID beds in the province. And we've not even been able, since COVID started, uh, the advent of COVID last year, March, we've not hospitalized more than 300 people. So what we did is to strengthen our response capacity in the public health sector. That is the reason why now we are deriving benefits out of that. Mm-hmm. I think two days back, our infection was only at 15. Only 15 people could be tested positive in 24 hours. Yeah. We are looking at sustaining that and ensuring that we keep that trajectory, that, that trajectory of low, low transmission in the province. And also... We want to ensure that we protect lives. I'm sure you should know by now, out of every 30 people who are positive, there's about 800, out of every 30,000 people who are positive, there's about 870 people that are losing their lives. In the Northern Cape, it's different. Out of 30,000 people who are positive, there's 499 people Mm. who succumb to the virus, which means we've got half left. And anywhere else in the country, and which I firmly believe is because of the kind of investment that we've made in the public health care in the province. Premier, I hope you still have a little bit of time because I also want to explore the issue of, you know, people that are now going to school. Learners are expected to be returning to school, an issue that is also affecting many of us. I mean, even here in the Northwest province and other areas in the country. How yes. are there plans already afoot to ensure that, um, you know, there are safety passages and a leeway for those that will be returning? Yes, we are working hard. We are working hard at that. And now with these uh, downpours, uh, which has caused uh, major damage to infrastructure, we are sitting basically with two challenges. Now, first challenge is to ensure that when our children go back to school on the 15th of February, it should be a safe and protected environment where they are not going to be infected with the virus. 
But now, immediate, now another immediate and big challenge is to ensure that we restore the infrastructure because if we don't restore the infrastructure in your rural areas like here in John Taolo Haiti, it's quite clear that many of our children won't be able to reach their schools. So we have to work urgently on this. Premier, thank you so much once more for your time. I hope um, you will make some time. There are, you know, interesting political dynamics in your province. You have been very fierce in your stance around, you know, accountability. You've also, you know, I've seen your tweet earlier where you were saying, you know, the, you know, some of the proposal of, you know, stepping aside, it's really as good as, you know, the paper, I mean, it's good as the paper that they are written on. I hope someday you will make time and talk to us, you know, get into the politics of that province. But thank you so much once more for your time. Not any time, any time, Lucas. You can just make arrangements. But thank you very much for the opportunity. And thank you and thanks to your listeners. SABC News.